eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins, right at the ship after, a, I would say, if not their worst game of the year against Buffalo, right up there. Uh, they bounced back with a 5-3 win over the Arizona Coyotes, who prior to their contest had been rolling. Um, it had been noted that they had defeated the five consecutive Stanley Cup uh, champions and how that was the first time in NHL history that that had happened, which makes me laugh because I was thinking about this. Uh, how many opportunities did a team have to play five consecutive Stanley Cup champions back to back to back to back to back? Like maybe never. So it's almost like they, uh, they kind of got that by default by doing it. But Bridget and Scott, how are you guys? How was your weekend? And let's jump into our opening shifts uh, regarding the Bruins Coyotes. I'm good. It was a good, good weekend. Uh, I, I always like afternoon games because it really kind of frees up the rest of the weekend. Uh, had a um, belated Friendsgiving slash just Christmas party on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, feel, feeling great and into the holiday spirit. That and- is very belated, by the way. That is the most belated Friendsgiving. It's just it's a Christmas party at this point. It- yeah, it kind of was. And we don't even like do Thanksgiving stuff. So it, it's just like a holiday get together. What do you have a Halloween party next week? <laughs> right. Yeah. Fourth uh, of July coming up first week of February. Yeah. You laugh, but um, my family throws parties where it's one day and we all pick a different holiday and we do a bar crawl, like an in home bar crawl where each area is a different holiday. So. So. Like, like, it's like Halloween Town, like from uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Just have t- different holiday stops. Fourth of July, yeah. I like that. Uh, Bridget, how was your weekend? It was good. It's good. I was at Yale Friday, and now I'm, I'm not. <laughs> no, no holiday parties for you? No, no Friendsgivings for you? No. No, no Easter celebrations. No, nothing. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let's jump into the opening shifts then. Scott, let's start with you. Well, as you mentioned, it was a big bounce back win for the Bruins, and they did it while losing 
their number one center in terms of ice time at the end of the first period. Pavel Zaka uh, left the game with an upper body injury and did not return. Uh, there was no further update after the game. Could get one uh, Monday at practice. But, yeah, the Bruins have to play the rest of the game down. Uh, obviously a key player. And, you know, I think we're going to get into how they went about replacing him too because it's it was pretty fascinating. It wasn't just a matter of, okay, well, the other three centers get more ice time. In fact, Matt Potter was benched for the entire third period. Um, Morgan Geeky moved over to center, got a lot of minutes. Trent Frederick even took some shifts at center. So um, it was a collective effort, but maybe not um, with the exact names you would have anticipated to replace Zaka. Yeah, and mine is kind of similar because Zaka goes down in-game, but McAvoy went down in the Buffalo game and didn't come back and also didn't play Saturday. So he he's out Forbert's out on long-term IR, which we already mentioned last episode, but um, it came down to who was going to step up in the win and, and who maybe is going to have to step up the rest of the week, or we, we don't really know how long McAvoy is going to be out. But uh, after the game, Montgomery said uh, 27, 25 and 48 were our leaders on defense. That's Lynn home, uh, Carlo and Grizzly. So that's who we thought was stepping up, but also Scott and I uh, both saw different statistics of, about Ian Mitchell probably having his best game of the season. Got his most ice time of the year above 18 minutes. It's only the second time this season he's had above 18 minutes of time on ice. And uh, I know Scott, you had another advanced stat about it, um, but he he was hold, he was carrying his weight out there where they they gave fewer shifts to Laura and, and Shattenkirk's line. Those guys had the, the fewest minutes of time on ice, but Mitchell was the one stepping up and taking part of the load. Yeah. And Brian, before you give your opening shift on Mitchell, not, not even from the realm of advanced stats, but he was on the ice for four of the Bruins goals. He was out there for four of the five. So uh, good. He was also on for one against, but still, You'll, t- you'll take a plus three any day. And for me, I just keep continue to be impressed by Danton Heinen this year and his professionalism and his ability to impact this lineup in a, in a positive manner. Uh, scores another goal um, against the uh, uh, the Coyotes, and it was a really nice goal. Uh, it was a goal scorer's goal, which not calling Danton Heinen necessarily a goal scorer. I'm saying it was a goal scorer's goal. Um, but – with nine points in 18 games, he continues to score at a half a point per game pace. Um, and I don't, I should have done the math before, but I don't know where that ranks on the Bruins forwards, but it's probably, I would say, maybe good for like fourth or fifth. I would imagine you have Passionat, Coyle, Zaka, and Martian before him, and then it might be Heinen. Um, I know he's in front of DeBrusque. He might be similar to Patra. But look, it's a guy that comes in on a PTO, sits upstairs um, for the first couple of weeks of the season when the team's playing well and, and yeah, just waits for his, for his moment to even sign a contract probably could have signed elsewhere at some point you would imagine around the league. Um, and he's just, he, he comes in and he's just, he, he's a good player. He's just a solid player for this team. And, and I think he deserves um, some stick taps from, from the skate pod. Yeah. 
he has the same amount of goals as Jake DeBrusque in uh, seven fewer games. So, I mean, he's been contributing. Yeah, he's he's seventh on the team in points per game. And the only guys ahead of him, David Posenak, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, James Van Riemsdyk. Um, he's right ahead of Pot, so Heinen at 0.5, right ahead of Patra, 0.48, Frederick, 0.46. DeBrusque point four four. So, um, yeah, abs- ab- he's been huge. He's making league minimum, and he's producing like a legitimate middle six forward. Which, you know, I-, I think we all know he's he's capable of being that. But he did have, you know, his production took a bit of a dip last year in Pittsburgh after he had a career high in goals the year before. Um, but yeah, he's really been a great fit and. Um, has provided some much-needed offensive depth depth for this team. So looking back at the Coyotes game, where do you two feel the Bruins uh, excelled, where they faltered against Buffalo? Well, I think start with the offense, which was just basically non-existent in that Buffalo game. Um, They really struggled to mount any sort of sustained pressure, you know, lose three to one in a game that it, never really felt like they were in, honestly. And then you come in against Arizona against a goalie that's in Connor Ingram. That's been one of the best goalies in the NHL this season. Going into Saturday, he was fourth in the NHL in save percentage. Um, Actually smack right in the middle between Swayman and Elmark. And Bruins put up five goals and they do it while having to shuffle lines for for 40 minutes with with Zaka out and mixing and matching and you know I think it's it's kind of a, it's a reminder that you know sometimes how you're playing is more important than who you're playing with because when the Bruins are playing like they played on Saturday with sustained forecheck and offensive zone cycles and getting pucks and bodies to the net like the lines don't matter as much. Who's playing with who doesn't matter as much. It, it really comes back to like those core tenants. And, you know, I think when Montgomery changes the lines up so much, when guys are healthy, it's in part because they're just not playing the right way. And so you, sh- you shake up the lines to try to shake up the team. Um, the reality is like, yeah, there might be combinations that in, Montgomery's mind and our mind that are ideal that that we want to see that we think are going to be you know the best fits going forward and ultimately you do want to settle on something approaching you know regular combinations but the Bruins showed on Saturday like they can be a good offensive team even without having settled the lines if they play the way that they did on Saturday and not the way that they did on Thursday. Yes, but I also just want to like time out and say that that was not, it wasn't the prettiest win. I mean, they were dominating the first and then all of a sudden like things went stagnant and there was definitely a struggle in the middle part of the game to get things right. Um, the Coyotes didn't just roll over. It wasn't just like a dominant Bruins win at all. Um, yeah, and, and to be clear, like I'm not saying it was, I'm just specifically talking about the offense coming along. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and I think someone else that stepped up because of the fact that Zaka went down as early as he did, Zaka only had about six and a half minutes of ice time before he left the game and didn't come back for the second period or the third period. So, um, so, and we mentioned Matt Potra had a very low amount of time on ice. He only had just over eight minutes of time on ice, which is, is actually kind of similar to, to Zaka's, even though Zaka was missing for two periods. Uh, Potra was also missing for a period, even though he was there, uh, he didn't find the ice at all in the third period. So, uh, there was somebody that had to step up with both of those centers not taking shifts in the third, and that was Morgan Geeky. Um, Morgan Geeky was playing at one point uh, at, as if it was like a makeshift perfection line in the middle of Marshawn and Pasta. Like he found himself on shifts with David Pasternak, and that's not something that you're. He started out the game as your winger, fourth line winger. He ended up your game as the game as your top line center. Um, and I think he looked fine in that role. I, I mean, him, he was on the ice for the second Pasternak goal. He threw the puck like a kind of a no look, like spin around pass to the front of the net. That was a really easy goal for Pasternak. Just took it off the pads and put it in. So he, he muscled his way in on that play and helped the Bruins score. Bridget, to your point about the Bruins not having a pretty victory, Scott, I'm only asking you this, not because I'm lazy, but because I feel like you have just these magical subscriptions to these analytics sites so maybe by the end of the podcast we can we can find this answer but i'm curious how many games this year the bruins have been outshot because once again last night they were outshot by the coyotes again a team the say what you want about the bruins but i feel like over the years they've always been a team to outshoot their opponents for the majority now you can you can have discussions about if those shots were high quality or just perimeter that's 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 fair but the Coyotes coming into Boston and outshooting the Bruins, it's just something that never really happens with Bruins getting outshot on home ice. And I just feel like it's been it's been a recurring theme and it hasn't really ailed them too much in the win category. But it's just something I've noticed. Like teams territorially um, have been kind of, I feel like maybe having the edge on Boston in the majority of games this year, if not maybe a little over half. Um, did you have anything on that, Scott? Or want me to keep going? Well, I mean, just to highlighted they've been outshot on the season they're actually below 50 percent for the season so mm-hmm. um you know i don't have the exact number of games but to your point if, if you're they're slightly below 50 they're like 49.7 percent mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's safe to say it's probably around half their games maybe even slightly more that they've been outshot okay so yeah so that that checks out um so to the whole potra thing i i find it I understand what Montgomery's doing. He wants to go with the guys he has confidence in to close out a game. But I find this a little bit problematic um, long-term because I just think that if you can't play Patra a regular shift in the third period when you're already down a center, what are we doing here? Because you can play this game now in December, but you're going to have to trust this kid in these moments in the stretch run and into the playoffs, like you can't, you can't just not have somebody be part of the game plan. Like, and, and especially when Zaka goes down all game, 
you're going to run two centers, but because you have the luxury of flexibility, maybe some guy plays wing and then center for a shift of two to just to give somebody a break. But I find that problematic. You go down a center and somebody who's supposed to be one of your top three centers just doesn't get ice time in the third period. What's, I don't know if I agree with that guys. I think that, so I like, I understand it at the same time. I, I do think in this specific game, it's, I, it's concerning in this specific game with Zaka being out. Like we saw him do it previously. Was it the Montreal game where he didn't get a lot of shifts in the third this time he gets zero shifts in the third, which I find to be, if you don't trust him at all to take one shift, say after like a, special teams like or just in general you don't trust him to win the puck like obviously we we know he's a younger kid um and he still has that part of his game to work on more than anything else but without your number one center in there already eh, you need guys to pull on the rope and you would have thought that he would have leaned on patra more rather than not at all so to me i understand like he was kind of Montgomery was kind of approaching it like, okay, I'm not going to put anyone out there that I wouldn't want killing penalties. Like you basically like trying to play a very defensive style third and Patra, that's not his strength in his game. So in that way I get it, but you didn't really, you know, then, then you're, then you're stuck with three centers and one of your centers is actually a winger that like started out the game at wing. So that that's, what's the concerning part to me is they really don't trust him that much. And does that psychologically affect a player? I would say it's it would be concerning if it's still happening in say the second half of the season. I don't I don't mind it now because I think Matt Potra does have a lot to learn, and that's not any sort of criticism. That's just the reality of a 19-year-old making the jump from the OHL to the NHL and playing a completely new defensive system. He played man-to-man in juniors um, and really played more of kind of just an up-and-down, run-and-gun style. And now he's being asked to play zone defense in on a contending team that is very demanding of its centers in terms of their 200-foot game. And Montgomery has said that, and he, you know, he's said, like, it's not an easy system to play center in. Um, he's said, you know, like, Yes, you have to allow Patra and Beecher, for that matter, some leash to, to make mistakes. And But when the game's on the line, Montgomery said it after the game when he was asked about it. He said, I'm going to go with the guys that I think are going to get us the win. And we've seen quite a bit that he has shortened the bench in third periods this year. Um, I think because he senses that the Bruins this season more than last season might need those points. You know, we, we talked about it on a recent episode. Like, you don't want to slip into that whole cluster, you know, from call it like two to five in the division or, you know, four through 10 and or 11 in the conference. Like, you don't want to be in that group. So you want to try to stay ahead of it. So in, in a game on December 9th, I don't mind Montgomery still saying, okay, hey, Matt, there's things you have to learn watch on the bench, watch on video. We're going to keep going over it. We're going to keep practicing it. And eventually you're going to get put in those situations and be expected to perform. Um, So I'm not to the level of, to the point of concern yet. Like I said, I would be if two months from now we're having the same conversation. So I, I I hear you there, Scott, and it's a, it's a good point, but 
I would say um, it's not that you're assuming that they're putting extra value on these points early in the season to gain that cushion so that they can look back in the spring and be like, all right, we got the, we got, we got this cushion in the standings. We can, we can allow Matt to, to, to learn now. Right. But, but you're, but we're assuming that. I don't really think that's it though. I, I, okay. I think he, I think he's learning now has been learning and will continue to learn. And the idea is that by the second half of the season, he doesn't have to learn on the fly and play through mistakes. He knows what he has to do and he doesn't make those mistakes. Okay. So he's gonna have to do a lot of that on ice learning in the first and second period until then. Um, and then, yeah, well, and, and by the way, like we, we saw yesterday, he has a costly turnover that leads to a goal that that was, you know, a, not a good play. Like he, he had Shattenkirk open going up the, um, you know, as, as the weak side defenseman through the neutral zone and he hung onto the puck too long and turned it over. So it's true. You know. Yep. It's true. He also is the reason that Denton Heinen scored his goal because he outworked Absolutely. his opponent and yep. like led to that goal. So the reason that, you know, and that's, and I'll be honest, that's a play that he makes. That's very simple and it's not sexy, but I'm telling you right now, not, not everybody on the Bruins does that. Um, so I just think like, I don't know I, if I'm him, I could, it's you're very much a part of the game. You're impacting the game as you illustrated, Scott, also with a giveaway, but you also, your work ethic, your work ethic leads to that goal, right? So you're sitting on the bench saying to yourself, man, I mean, if, if it wasn't for me on that play, like Heine doesn't go in and score. It's not four two, which by the way, was a big moment because Arizona had stormed back a little bit there. Um, and now you're just sitting there, not one shift in the third, not one shift. And I'm, I just think like, I don't know. You, you you can shelter him and, and make him learn, but zero shifts. I mean, what is this? Is this game seven of the cup finals? Like, come on. So I just found it a little bit, like a little bit harsh, like not a shift when he was impacting the game before that and was part of the game. And I don't know. I see it. I understand it. All I'm saying is I don't agree with it to the extent that Montgomery has been Benjamin in these, in these periods. Cause you have to feel like you're part of the team out there um, in all periods. But that that's my opinion on it. Um, I, I agree. It's not like the end of the world right now. I just, I don't love to see it with a young kid who is good enough to be in the lineup, good enough to be on the roster, good enough to impact the team in a positive way and negatively, but everybody does. And then in the third period, you're just like, okay, um, what, what, what room is the, is want me to fill the water bottles in again? Cause I know I see pasta's thirsty over there. It's like, it just, it sends a weird message, I think. Um, but that's just me. It's very, think, very high school I hockey-esque kind of. I, yeah, I was gonna say it reminded me of like my worst basketball games where I was like benched and I was pissed off about it. So like I don't know, like that's why I wonder. Like I, we all have mentioned this before. He's seems like a kid that can handle it. Uh, that kind of whatever, like that mental struggle of being like, okay, what the hell? Because he sat the game before too. He's back in the lineup after after a, a healthy scratch, which we were told was load management. Um, which I, I still believe it is, but when you put it, you put this right after that, it kind of makes you think, okay, um, was it really? But, um, yeah, just kind of publicly looks a little bit worse 